0: I think a lot of people equate seasonality, slowdowns in terms of activity um, with lower prices. And that's typically not the case, at least in our market. When you, you talk about December and August, those are the slower months typically for the amount of sales, new listings coming out, all that. But it doesn't necessarily mean that prices are going down. It usually doesn't mean that prices are going down.
1: Hello, 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 hello. I'm Daniel. I'm here with Katie. And the economy is in the dumpster.
0: <laughs> Way to start things off.
1: Positive Why bother note. with segueing when you can just jump right in, right? The economy. Well, we're used to it, though. The economy has been in the dumpster. For a little while here. There's positives to take from it, I suppose. We're not really going to yeah. focus on good or bad or anything right now. Um, but today, we're going to talk about what's going on, where things we think are going to be going as it relates to real estate and what was that?
0: Predictions.
1: Predictions. We will be the Nostradamus. Of the airwaves. That was plural of Nostradamus. Nostradamuses?
0: I don't even know what that word is. It's a person. Who's that?
1: that Nostradamus. That, really? That's nope. That's the guy who like made all these predictions way back when, and like people out there say like they're all coming true. Oh, Why don't I just say we're going to predict things? That's cool. the You know that guy. I'm you not know that guy. guy, yeah. Mr. N. Yeah. For what it's worth, I don't know if that was just his whole name, like Madonna, or if it was like John Nostradamus or like Nostradamus Smith. I'm going to say he predated first and last names. He was more like Socrates. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's actually a long time ago. I'm going to have to look that up. I feel like it's like pre, 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 like ancient times guy.
0: I never, I've never even heard of that.
1: Because he predicted all these things that happened in ancient times. So like we're talking like old school. Like proper that's old school, <laughs> not like the fifties, but anyway, so that's what we're going to be. We're going to be him only,
0: only him. on
1: the podcast and talking <laughs> about a real estate market for a very short term period of time. And, um, as always subscribe and like, and comment on this. Are you
0: gonna go with that?
1: I'm, I'm just opening with a, a plea to the masses to keep going. We are just about at 50,000 downloads for this podcast. That's Pretty a good. big uh, milestone. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've done 8,000 episodes. So really it's just you, me, and our parents who listen to each of these. But uh, That's okay. no, it's a, it's a big deal. Very excited. And only you can get us over the top. And our 50,000th download will get a nice message from me and maybe a t-shirt.
0: Fancy. Yeah, All
1: you'll, right, get a, you'll get an interest rate cut. <laughs>
0: Not really. Pause, pause. Yeah. We're pausing. So yeah, I think that's the most recent announcement that we've heard. Um, a lot of people were anticipating potentially a slight increase. And we're talking about Canada here. But I know we've got a lot of Americans, but they're probably along a similar wavelength in terms of interest rates. But our government has decided to put a pause or Bank of Canada decided to put a bank, uh, pause on interest rates this time around. Um, main drivers were a lot of the economic factors that have been um, under the microscope for a while uh, have kind of started to show signs of slowing. GDP went down very, very slightly, but definitely lower than expectations, both from the Bank of Canada's perspective and economists' perspective. Um, inflation has kind of, simmered down for now. And then our uh, unemployment rate has gone up slightly, just half a point. But all of those together, I guess, made the government, and of course, we can't forget the um, premiers of Ontario, BC, and some other province who were begging their letter
1: writing campaign yeah their their letter i mean it's
0: gotta be all from them right it's it's they we gotta thank them
1: and we shouldn't they write the letters or whoever ghost wrote the letters for them wasn't it like the day before the announcement that was already no okay so the
0: premier the premier did it earlier i think it was like maybe like at the beginning of september maybe so but but (laughs) doug ford Ford bounces on gets on the bandwagon like a day before and i think obviously trying to you know, you use that maybe as a, as a reason why he's, he's the, he's better than what everybody thinks he is, despite the whole, oh, I don't, it scandal. Depends
1: on the day. it depends yeah. on the day, but there's always scandal and everyone's trying to deflect, deflect and find something. Look over here. Look, I asked for lower interest rates. Yeah, great. You have they no control it over me. it and it's going to happen
0: anyway. Um, so yeah. But all anyway, those reasons, Yeah. it was
1: a pause. I mean, I think I'm curious if what we've been talking about, For a long time with these interest rates, if somebody's actually realizing the elephant in the room that the biggest driver of inflation was the mortgage interest expense that that people were taking on and that that was going up so Mm. much, which was being driven by interest rates going up and that hamster wheel that the economy has been in, but I digress there, whatever it is that the Bank of Canada saw there, they didn't rule out future increases. I read it as there still will be a future increase and they're just letting some simmer go on right now.
0: Yeah, um, And I think they're curious. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see kind of the reaction from a sentiment perspective, if that means people are going to be a little bit more confident. I mean, I, I was out on labor day in the mall and it's still packed. Like, you know, you, yeah. you talk about recession, you talk about people, it's taking a step back from spending, but I'm not seeing any signs of that anywhere where we are. That's for sure.
1: I think that the general public fails to make that distinction. And whenever they hear interest rates and they hear all these announcements, they put it only in the context of home ownership for themselves. Mm-hmm. Maybe some people, car ownership. I have heard um, a neighbor of ours had his car stolen a couple weeks really? ago. Scary. I don't know if I told you, no. but yeah, it's okay. It's we've cheaper. got dumpy cars. We we've talked about it. If anybody wants to steal our car, I will send you our home address.
0: Ideally um, our minivans.
1: <laughs> yeah. Take the minivan. Um, <laughs> But no, his car was stolen. And despite the fact insurance replaces the car, he said the new mm, interest rates he had to take on, it's costing him significant money to replace oh, the car now true. because yeah. of the borrowing costs when he refinances. So I mean, there's that. There's obviously credit card interest rates have always been high and people, I think, who carry balances. This isn't going to be a discussion about that. I mean, you do what you've got to do. But when it comes to, when you talk about sentiment, we're going to talk about home buying, home selling, renting maybe a little bit and where we think things are going to go. I've run into, as you've run into, all sorts of different narratives and stories over the last little while. And they've been very telling about, where I think things are going to go, um, with buyer and seller sentiment and the numbers themselves, I mean, are reflecting things as well in where it has been for the last few months. I think we need to be careful because of the seasonality of things, which we can talk about. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, but I think a lot of people equate seasonality, slowdowns in terms of activity, um, with. Lower prices. And that's typically not the case, at least in our market. When you, you talk about December and August, those are the slower months typically for the amount of sales, new listings coming out, all that. But it doesn't necessarily mean that prices are going down. It usually doesn't mean that prices are going down. So in this month, um, this past month in August, we did see prices come down overall throughout the GTA. It was three and a half percent versus July, which is pretty significant and versus the peak. Um In uh, May, uh, it was nine, over 9% since then. So those are some big numbers we're talking about. It's not like it's like a 0.2% fluctuation.
1: Yeah. Well, and we were talking maybe six months ago when we were starting to look forward. We were coming up to that March over March, February over February comparison, where in 2022, it was the huge spike. Yeah, Um, in pricing, and that's when we were going to see this big difference where all the comparative Mm -hmm. numbers were going to look a lot lower, but the expectation was, and it did come true for a bit, that come the summer, we would start to see the year-over-year comparisons start to get back to flat and then be higher this year over last year, because that's when the big drop began last year, and that happened, but here we are, (laughs) and-
0: yeah, we're 0.3% I think versus higher year over th- year. year, over higher. year. Higher. Yeah. Yeah. Year but over that's, year, that's going down. That's going well, down pretty quickly. Yeah.
1: And when you break that down, which um which thankfully our our boards and and organizations and all that and people do, the year over year for the bigger places, detached and semis mm-hmm. is down. Detached yeah. is down 12% and semi is down 14% in terms year. of activity yeah oh, activity. year over year activity prices are down a bit yeah but but more um,
0: more than townhouses is that what you're saying oh, sorry
1: sorry sorry prices are up a bit which is why the activity oh, is down okay. hondo yeah, yeah. prices are down yeah um year over year and when you start to put that next to the volume that's going on year over year and then you start to look month over month at the actual trend of what's been happening since last yeah. month it's a rough spot right now where things are in and I'm going to nerd out shortly on why it's a real paradox for interest rates. Maybe it's all common sense, but let's just talk about whatever else we want to talk about first, before I go full nerd.
0: Excited. I'm excited for a full out nerd here. Um... Uh, It's,
1: I mean, it's not nerd in the sense that it's like, you know, equations and stuff. It's just, I go down a rabbit hole of thinking about how tough a situation this is because of the relationships of of interest rates and borrowing power and how that affects buyers and sellers and their plans. Mm. And similar to the mortgage interest cycle and how that was inflating and the inflation was causing interest rates to go up, but it was furthering the inflation. I see a big issue with what borrowing costs or the fear of borrowing costs is doing to people in all types of buying situations. And and the reason that it's weird to me is that usually and traditionally, when buying is easier, selling is harder and vice versa, right? Like if prices are up, then it is probably because it's a seller's market because there's lots of demand and buyers are fighting and prices are going up and sellers are happy and buyers are pissed. Whereas if it's a buyer's market and prices are coming down and there's maybe more supply that's out there, so on and so forth, buyers are in a better position. Sellers are behind the eight ball. But in the world we're in right now, yeah. you've got different types of sellers, right? There's some who are now urgently being forced into selling because they can't carry what they have or they can't close on a, on a pre-con or whatever. Mm. Then you've got the sellers who would have been selling, but they're sitting there saying, well, wait a second, if I sell, I'm going to have potentially to break my mortgage, penalty on my mortgage, or if not, I'm going to have to take out a new mortgage on a new place if I'm buying something else, and that's going to be prohibitive cost-wise and doesn't make sense to do it right now, right? So you've got those. And I think down the middle, there's still a very small subset of traditional buyers and sellers- I don't think there's many who aren't really giving much thought to what's happening in the economy. Um, you've wow. got immigration that continues and will be picking up. So there's more people coming in. Yeah. They're coming into a tougher situation than what they might have thought it was going to be six months ago.
0: Yeah. There's just so many factors kind of colliding with one another, and it's making for these very impossible Situations. And you're right. Like, I think, you know, when we talk about a traditional buyer or seller market, it means something different than what we're in now. And, you know, I've taken a look, if you look at like sales to new list ratio, which is usually a good determination of what kind of a market we're in. And for the most part, in most areas throughout the GTA, we're either like balanced, like just slightly above a buyer's market into balanced market territory or in a buyer's market. But really, it doesn't mean it's a buyer's market cuz it's next to impossible to buy a home you know it just means that you know the activity is such that it's not as you know crazy hectic to try to scoop something up like things are sitting on the market for much longer so it's really put everybody into a very impossible situation and i this is why i think into the rest of this year we're going to be very slow I think a lot of buyers, you know, we talk like you hear realtors saying all the time, buyers are on the sidelines, you know, get back in the market. Well, no, they can't. They can't afford to get back into the market. How do you expect them to do that? And then for those that are maybe looking to move up or move down, as you said, it doesn't make sense. If you locked into a pretty favorable interest rate a few years ago, why would you trade that for, you know... I wanted to do a, an equation or a calculation, um, today, just kind of looking like, let's say you wanted to downsize from like a detached to a semi or something along those lines. And you've got like a two and a half percent fixed rate right now. Like what would be the difference in mortgage payments versus like Direct a new a mortgage line. now, you know, like maybe like you're probably doing better than you right. would be if you would downsize plus all the costs that go along with purchasing a home. Yes. So well, it's. That's- it's impossible.
1: The, I, I think, like you know, I had a client call me yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and right. he's got a great place, but foresees it's the place he's not going to want to be in. And he's heard prices are lower. That's how yeah. this started, right? Mm-hmm. um and which is I mean, accurate in some spots, I guess, relatively speaking, but he wanted to sell, downsize, and then also buy a investment property. So basically go two for one, add a little bit of money. but, Exactly what you said is the case. to downsize, he'd be paying more than triple the interest rate of yeah. what he's got locked in on his place, right? And yeah, he could downsize and pocket a little bit of money, but we'd be talking substantial downsizing to pocket a little bit to then hold and wait because he wouldn't be able to also take on an investment property in the in that sort of a financial climate right now. And that's just not responsible. To do that. I think like he's sitting here going, I really want to get out of where I am, Mm -hmm. but it just doesn't make sense in this environment. And there's so much, it's ironic that there's so much uncertainty and even pausing last month was an uncertainty. Nothing happening still had people on eggshells, has me on eggshells, right? I think there's a, a pretty strong consensus that interest rates aren't going to come down definitely for the balance of this year. You know, do they stay the same? Maybe. Do they go up a bit? Maybe. But knowing that they're going to remain where they're at, yeah, we've talked in the past about how people in a couple months start to settle into what things are and and the market adjusts itself and all that. I don't think that this market has allowed people to settle at any point in time, right? Like just when you think you've got it figured out and you've got a plan, another either interest rate hike or talk of an interest rate hike or whatever gets mm-hmm. in the way and then you mix with that expectations of buyers and sellers right interest rates is just one piece of it but just because the market says you need to now charge less so people will buy your place doesn't mean sellers want to take less for their place right like mm-hmm. so okay. it's it's really it it's a real rock and a hard place and yeah.
0: Which is yeah, putting it, it, weight onto the rental market more and more.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Which I mean, like I saw and a story. Land, yeah, like
1: not yeah. just the tenants, but the landlords too, who now sure. can't even carry the place because they're yeah. so cash flow negative.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's hitting people in on all different levels. And then you think to the government's really aggressive immigration policy. And people are coming into this environment where it's next to impossible to purchase a home. It's it's impossible to get a rental, Um, and you know cost of living is so high. And you know these people are just going to be like, no, I'm good. I'm going to kind of stay where I am. Or you know you you want to bring in like good talent and people that can fill the job market that you, you know in the areas that we need, but we can't do that when you've got this impossible living situation for people.
1: And the approach of focusing on increased immigration without addressing the supply issue, and that's is irresponsible, especially in this environment.
0: But the thing is, and even from a supply perspective, the government can't control. Well, they can control it in some respects. The wrong the, supply, you know. The yeah. but you know, you've got now developers who are like not going to launch my project this year because there's not enough demand. There's not enough buyers out there that can afford to purchase a pre construction. So I'm just going to hold back because they, and, and and the problem is like you talk about greedy developers, whatever, but like you've got developers that have to sell a certain amount ahead of starting the project in order to move forward with financing and all that. So if they're not able to um, sell that much, um, I mean, they can't start the project. It's, it also impacts their reputation. Like, oh, this project didn't, you know, meet meet the requirements or whatever. So, you know, you don't want to come out with a, a a chance of of failing as well. So now you've got people that you know are trying to add to the housing market and or the inventory, and now they're choosing not to. I mean, for financial reasons, and I can't fault them. It's a business that they're running. Um, And
1: and it's not just worries about demand. It's their cost of borrowing has tripled also.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And their material
1: cost, the cost of everything is so high that, you know, development charges, all these things, it's not financially viable to do it unless, you know, like I, I think a lot of projects are still selling, like there's some that are sitting, but there's also less coming out to your point. Mm. Um, but then what's the composition of supply that's even going out there? Like, is it yeah. even the right type of supply that's focused on the people who can't afford to buy things right now?
0: Well, like that's how much that's the low thing. cost
1: stuff is out there.
0: Yeah. So- well, cause I think like in our area, for example, anything that's a freehold property is a massive detached home over $2 million. Like who... Who has that to to spend like? And we can all say, "Oh, well, I own a two million dollar house." Yeah, well, how much was it worth when you bought it?
1: We can we can all say that. We can well, all no, say not that. all of
0: it. Yeah, okay. But I'm I'm telling like the, the people that like are at that point and like you know we're we're at a point where our house has appreciated significantly since we bought it, but. We didn't have to spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in down payment because our house was worth over a million at the time. It was under a million when we bought it. Like that's a big chunk. What was that?
1: It was $879. House? Yeah. What?
0: Oh, that's how much it cost?
1: Yeah. I'm telling the world. You're just like out
0: there and telling the world. But like that's that's a big difference (laughs) too, is like once you hit that million dollar threshold, your down payment requirements like you have to put a 20% minimum down payment down like from 5 to 20% on like a million like that is like who has that who has like $250,000 or whatever $200,000 just sitting in their bank account ready to for a down payment
1: well it's i, I mean, mean there I mean, are people that be, do
0: but i'm just saying like in general on I mean, average it's, it's
1: even from a step up perspective right like the world and the economy has made it virtually impossible for anybody to do anything right now. And I know that sounds really doom and gloomy. And there's lots of people who are still able to and are transacting in real estate. So it's not oh. like there's no opportunity out there for our profession. It's not like- No, like no. It's, it's the great pause on on buying and selling. However, the uncertainty, the difficulty for all parties to do it in a way that we've grown really spoiled and used to for years, yeah, is going to take quite a bit of time to come out of before people do get off that metaphorical sideline. Mm-hmm. And like I know that the I want to say it was Desjardins or like whatever the economist was that put up this big report about um what could happen with recessions and whatnot, which I do find these reports stupid as stupid could be, because the one that I read, it had like three scenarios. Which is Mm. like, I could do a report that has three scenarios, like good, bad, and the middle, which is basically what it was. But I think what was interesting was the scenarios all were kind of bad, worse, and terrible. Not Mm. good, bad, and the middle, right? Mm. And it was kind of saying, okay, if there is a recession, I think it said that prices are going to potentially drop as much as 30% Mm. over the course of the next whatever it is, 12 to 18 months, from this but, point,
0: not from, from like the point, peak from, or anything. Okay,
1: I think it was from this point. I don't even remember. So don't quote me. It's not like anybody's listening, right? It's not Everyone relevant. is listening. Just just pause this. But it was basically, it's going to drop a big number. However, people's buying power are not going to like be, they're not going to stay the same. So it's still going to be hard to afford a home even in that environment. The other one was basically saying prices are going to go down uh, around 10% uh and they'll get back up to normal potentially not normal but back up to where we're at right now in like two to three years and then i think the last one basically said things will remain roughly where they're at and should get back to the peak from february of last year by the end of 2025 which was still kind of, to me, that's not, that. I mean, that sounds more in line with where we're all hoping it gets to. I think people are still thinking it's going to get back to the peak next year. I still think that's a possibility myself, to be honest, because we're not that far off that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd say the Canadians are pretty resilient when it comes to, like our housing market is pretty resilient um, in a sense, because a lot of what people were projecting, even when interest rates started going up like crazy, like we didn't even come near what, and I mean, who knows? Like we might end up like this, that's the thing. Like, and I remember reading something that said it takes like a full year or even more for the impacts of these interest rates to really see its full effect. So I think we're starting to see the trickle down from last summer when things were going up, you know, like one, 1%. three quarters of a point at a time. Um, So that's why I think like the remainder of this year, it's going to remain slow. Um, But I think if people start, I feel like sentiment, I mean, it always plays such a big role in things, but I think if, and when next year things start to level out and get more positive, I do feel like that sentiment will be a big shift in our market and we'll start seeing more activity. I just don't think we're going to see the, the appreciation that we have. I think like the last even decade of appreciation that we've experienced in our market specifically, um, is not something, I mean, maybe it is something we can sustain. I don't know. It just doesn't seem realistic.
1: I see certain sectors continuing. Like I think the stuff that's under a million bucks is going to continue to creep closer to a million bucks, regardless of what the product is. Like I, I feel like because of, you know, some of the rules around spending over a million, I think that there will be a quicker path to there. The stuff that now sits in that higher priced zone, I agree with you. I think there's just, like affordability hasn't been there for, for a long time now, but we're at the point where double income families making six figures can't afford a home. And you, you put these sorts of interest rates on top of it, that, yeah, I think we will come to a point, or maybe we're there where we're starting to realize what this interest rate means, but it doesn't make it more affordable just because we understand it. Right. Like people might get more comfortable with it and realize, okay, 5% 5% is the number or whatever is the number. And we're going to have to learn to work with this, mm. but it's still harder than it was two years ago for everybody. Yeah. And the cost to finance a home has grown. I believe, unless I'm wrong at a rate that's much greater than what incomes have grown at. Oh, and like, 100%, right. So like the, the, yeah. the relative cost coupled with whether or not homes are that much more expensive with a price tag versus a year ago, marrying it. Like that's the growth hasn't happened in prices. The growth has happened in the cost it it is for you to actually pay for the place. Right. So I think people are going to take a while to come to terms with that. I think because of that prices are going to have to hang tight where they're at for a while, while the market
0: prices go going down up, staying pretty stable over the next three months.
1: I see between now and probably the early spring, I think there's gonna be a bit of a dip. And I think it'll be kind of like a very a very small U, depending on what happens with interest rates. Like I think it'll go down like one to five percent and then come back up one to five percent. And then in the oh, spring you know. of next year, we're gonna be sort of around where we're at, where we're at right now is what I believe, which is different from that. Like, I don't even know how that ties to either of those three scenarios, but I do agree getting back to the peak is going to take longer than some people might think like people who think we're going to be back to those prices next year, unless there are interest rate reductions, plural.
0: Significant. Yeah.
1: Like it's just not, realistic and
0: and they're not going to do that like the government has learned not the government the bank canada has learned their lesson when it comes to dealing with interest rates around the pandemic like you know hindsight's 2020 everybody's saying like why the hell like what you know what's wrong with them like why would they have done that well we were kind of dealing in an environment that was very uncertain that never nobody had ever dealt with um so i mean i don't fault them um you know i do fault in a way when you know the you know you hear people saying you know like tiff Macklin saying oh the the interest rates are going to stay steady for the for the next several years you know like those kinds of statements you can't be saying because people pretty much take you know his word for it if that's if he's saying that who's basically essentially finalizing and deciding on interest rates then like who who are you going to believe
1: well and and look at we were Pretty convinced because of what we read and hear, and economists and all the so-called professionals, that this last announcement was going to be another hike. Up until almost the eleventh yeah. hour. Well, and
0: even even in June, when prices when in, the increase happened, we were all like shocked. Like, where, where? the hell did that come from? I thought we were staying right. steady for the next little while. So, right? Yeah,
1: like anything can change, in the impact of even a quarter point on sentiment as much as or more than on the actual monthly payments and all that, like it really puts a delay and a hit on what's going to happen for the months that follow. Right. And so I think sentiment will get better when the first mention of a potential reduction comes up in a bank of Canada statement, it's not going to be the reduction itself, but now they're kind of saying we're going to try to stay the course. There might be more, right like hikes it's got to change from that to we're going to try to stay the same and we hope to see a reduction soon Mm. because i think the first mention of that because i haven't seen one unless there has been one i don't think they've been mentioning we hope to bring this down again by x time or whatever
0: their lesson from the first time around so i think they're not yeah. yeah
1: yeah like the only the only The closest they got to that was they keep talking about like their benchmark inflation rate. Like when inflation is at 2%, the kind of implied message there is that's when we can start reducing things. But they have also Mm -hmm. rightfully said they need to be responsible about it. So they're going to err on the side of caution. Yeah. And they
0: also got to keep in mind, you know, our friends to the south, we can't be completely screwing up our dollar and that aspect right. of things too, like that will impact GDP and, you know, mm-hmm. like it's all cyclical and it's all things working against each other. And as you said, like mortgage interest rates are the biggest influence on a higher inflation rate right now. It's just like, like I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem to make sense to me, like how all of these things are working against each other. So you can't really ever win.
1: Well, that, you know. that's, that's what the paradox is to me is like, I'm trying to find the positive news in it. Like you make a measure to impact one thing, one way, right? Like you're going to take a hit somewhere, but you're taking yeah. the hit so that it improves something else. Yeah. But the improve side of things seems really difficult to find right? Like, uh, unless I guess you're of the mindset that this whole market got so far away from everybody, like on mass, that doing this, the positive right now is just the slow return to what always should have been from the beginning. And because we were so spoiled and ignorant for so long, yeah. The good news is just that we're getting back to what's supposed to be, even though what's supposed to be isn't as positive as what we were used to. So mm-hmm. it's really doesn't feel like good news because it still feels like we're getting worse, even though we're kind of not. Yeah. Right. So, and it's, and it's like you said, it's, it's different for someone who owns a home. Like. It's easier to look at something through rose colored glasses when you've got a fixed mortgage through this whole thing, right? Especially, or you bought a house with no mortgage and you own a house, or you would be buying places with all cash, Right. right? Like that's where there is opportunity still. You know, if you're a buyer who doesn't need a mortgage or, or, you know, or needs a small mortgage or something like that, or has worked out some sort of who knows. Like, there's situations where, yeah, prices have not been skyrocketing, where maybe 18 months ago, the estimation for right now might have been the average price of a home is one and a half million, but instead it's, you know, less than 1.1, mm-hmm. which is basically what it was a year ago. Yeah. So, you've got you every situation is different and that's why there's always going to be opportunity and that's why there's people selling people buying our job is to understand what's going on to give the right advice to help people find the right advice when we don't have it
0: that's it like we got to be careful because like projections are projections they're not you know we know for sure this is what's going to happen so you gotta you gotta massage the message that you know, based on the knowledge you have, this is where things could go. But obviously, people need to make their own decisions based on their own comfort level and stress test things in their own way to make sure that they're comfortable with, you know, if if things really go bad, are they still going to be in an okay spot?
1: And and speaking of that, I mean, not to rehash a sensitive subject for the world, but people were so pissed off at the stress tests. Mm, Like, Imagine if those weren't there. Yeah. The number of people who were turned away when that first came in.
0: Yeah.
1: Would probably be completely screwed right now, and not. Or or
0: banks would be, you know, in or yeah, that's true. Yeah. Positions. We'd be in like a similar situation than the states was in two thousand eight. You know, so that's not ideal. That's not what we want. No. So anyway,
1: we've got to learn from what has happened and what people are like the pros are still the pros. Mm -hmm. And as much as we disagree or may question policy decisions and all that, just educate yourself. And, you know, whatever your opinion is, unfortunately, what is, is, (laughs) right? Like if a decision, if you think it's good or bad or whatever, you can, it's good for you to understand the impact and how it's good or bad or otherwise. But, you're not going to change the interest rates by thinking it's stupid. (laughs) You know, you're not going to make houses more affordable by saying that was a bad call or they shouldn't have done that. But I mean, I find it helpful to know what's going on and to have an understanding of what might come and the impact that could have as well. Because that's the sort of stuff we need to talk about.
0: For sure. And because our audience is realtors, I think it's important to just, you know, let people know that, it will likely be a slower market. So you have to be prepared for that. You need to double up on your activity. You need to be reaching out to people and and checking in. It's similar to COVID, right? When like we were saying, reach out to people, see if they're, if they need any help, like, you know, you've got contacts, whether it's lawyers, mortgage brokers, whoever, that, you know, your clients might benefit from with a conversation at this stage. So it's about just keeping up with your conversations and from your own business perspective. I mean, I know people always say you never want to scale back on your marketing when everybody else is scaling back, but like, just, you know, watch what you're spending. Cause you might be in, you know, for, for a situation where you might not be making as much as, as you would hoped, um, from, from your activities and from, from what's going on in the next little while. So you just got to be smart about things and just, you know, be cautious, about um, your your spending and and your management of your business, um, because you know th- every business we all go through, like th- this is like it's it's called an economic cycle because they're constantly there's constant cycles. It's not anything you can get away from, but it's like you just know how to, need to know how to act depending on the situation and cycle that we're in. Like, I don't want to be doom and gloom with people, but I just want to be, you know, you need to be cautious at the same time. You can't be going out to Starbucks 10 times a day because that's what you always did.
1: You you shouldn't have been doing that back then either for what it's worth. (laughs) No, but it's like, even like, I'm thinking,
0: like I'm constantly thinking about like, you know, even our oldest, um, you know, started high school and she's saying how all the kids walk over to Starbucks every day to buy Starbucks. And I'm like, they're going over there every day to buy Starbucks. Like, that's like, I don't even do that. And like, I'm like, where are these kids getting their money from their parents probably, but like, you know, you just got to think about all these, you know, just gotta be careful.
1: Well, and with that, when you're watching what you're spending and the decisions you're making also with these marketing things, watch the message you're putting out there. I think Mm -hmm. there's a real risk of being tone deaf right now in your marketing. Like, don't put out messages like there's never been a better time to buy or things like that, right? Because people are doing that. People like go off of the glass half full approach, which is fine, but back up what you're saying in a way that is actually true, right? You could make the argument there's never been a better time to buy if you happen to be a person with a briefcase full of cash. Sure.
0: If you happen to not need a mortgage or a Cash buyer. Yeah,
1: but like, and and that's just one example. But I mean, like, play your marketing off of what's actually going on in the world, right? Like, this isn't a time to be market. silent. Yeah. And in your, yeah, to your market, to the people you're trying to reach, the message needs to match what's actually happening. And I think we talk a lot about the message matching how you communicate and who you're going after, which is obviously important in the way you structure the the tone But the content needs to not be tone deaf also, right? Just because you're a friendly person who likes to interact with people doesn't mean friendly interactions about how everything's great out there makes sense, right? It should be friendly interactions that are helpful and understanding and you know, showing people that you understand the struggles that are taking place and that there's still potentially a path for people to find what they're looking to do in real estate, so... Go out and do that, people. So many deals to be had. So many. That's all I got. I'm done.
0: All right. Well, hopefully that was helpful. Hopefully um, you're well-versed in your own market and know what's happening. And if you do have any questions, feel free to reach out anytime at Level Up for Realtors. We'd be happy to chat.
1: That's us. We'll see you on the social. Yes.